Hello fellow brethren and welcome to the Faith Encounter Service from the Cordes Family Church University City, Philadelphia. The message you're about to hear is a faith-filled message of Pastor Daniel Oposui, a beloved son of Bishop Daniel Mills. Open up your heart, listen with faith, and allow the Word of God to bring positive change and transformation into your life. Happy listening. your feet and let's share with a prayer. I want you to just pray and thank God for this afternoon. Pray for the Holy Spirit to help us understand his word for our lives. I want you to lift up your voice and pray right now. Ask God to speak to your heart. Ask God to minister to your heart pray for the spirit of understanding pray and ask God to fill you with light and to take away anything that would be a hindrance to you receiving the word of God the Bible says that it profited them not because they mixed not the word with faith so pray for faith to believe in God's word that it may yield much profit to you and to your life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for visiting us. Thank you for your word. Your word that is life. Your word that brings power into our lives. May you help us, grant us understanding. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Kindly take your seats. And if you can come forward, if you are sitting at the back, just come forward a little bit. There's nothing scary about Aaron and Kweku. Come forward. Yeah, so that those who come very late, they can sit behind. Yeah. More people can sit. Nobody wants to sit here. And we might as well move the pulpit here and then have the service here. Yeah. Great. Wonderful. Are you happy you're in church today? That sounds like we just woke up. I said, are you happy you are in church today? Yes. Okay. All right. All right. Well, um, last week we started talking about loyalty and disloyalty. And um, I believe that today we are going to continue with that topic or with that subject. Um, loyalty, as we read last week, as we started with last week from 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2. It's a very, very important subject. You don't hear much about it in the church. In many churches, and I'm sure you've visited quite a few churches, you do not find this subject of loyalty and disloyalty being preached. It's, it's, it is not common in the church to hear about 
why you must be loyal to a church, why you must be loyal to God, why you should avoid disloyalty, and what steps even identify you as a disloyal person or help you to become more loyal. But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2 that it is required in stewards, servants, and people who are interested in, in, in serving God, it is required that they be found faithful. They be found faithful. And we learned that the word faithful means to be constant. It means to be committed, to be there all the time, to be available, to be instant, um, to be loyal. That's what the word faithful means. You know, so the word faithful doesn't only apply to relationships, you know, between a man and a woman, but it also applies to the type of relationship that you have with God and the church, the church that God has built. Amen. Feels a little different standing here. So this book that has been written, Loyalty and Disloyalty, is some, I want to recommend everybody to get this book because it's a very, very powerful book. You know, this book has been printed almost, there are about two million of this book in print. That's a very large number if you know anything about book publishing. Many, many books don't reach the number two million, even a million, you see. So we are studying from this book, and I believe that the Lord would help us. I have, I have read many stories and heard of many stories about churches all over the world that have benefited from this book. You know, God's intention was never for us to have so many different churches and denominations and different groups of churches. God's intention was for us to be one church, one body. Let me show you a scripture or two. Let's give me my Bible. Do you know that? Did you know that God's intention was never for us to be a large splinter, uh, splintered group of individual churches? His intention was always for us to be one body. Look at this. Colossians chapter 1 verse 18. Colossians chapter 1 verse 18. What does it say? And he is the head of the body, the church. The church. The singular church. Who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. The church, one church. God's plan was for us to have one church and all be part of one body. But as time went on, all kinds of things began to happen. 
And people started to break away from almost every church that you find is a break away from some other church. If not the church is a break, if, if the church is not a break away, the founder of the church has moved from somewhere. Yeah. There used to be only one church. The Catholic church used to be the only church. When you say church, you are talking about the Catholic church. There was nothing more than the Catholic church. It was just the Catholic church. That's why the Catholic church, they, they say in the Apostles' Creed, they say, um, um, how many of you remember the Apostles' Creed? I believe the last line, what does it say? I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. Continue. Uh huh. Yes. Of the body. Uh huh. What else? The Holy Catholic Church, the Universal Church. You see, there was only one church. And we have all come. So you see, loyalty is something that has, if, if, if we had loyalty in the church right from the beginning, we would just have one big church. But this loyalty is one of the commonest traits of human beings. Yeah. More people are disloyal than murder, than commit murder. More people are more disloyal. You are more likely to find a disloyal person than to find a murderer. Yeah. So it is not a boring subject or an unimportant subject. It is a very, very critical subject when it comes to the building of the church and also the building of your life. The Bible is replete with stories of characters that were loyal and characters that were disloyal and what happened in their lives. Amen. Anyway, so today I want us to move into um, what I call or what, 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 what we, we, we call the stages of disloyalty. Last week we talked about why, it's, why loyalty is important. Now today we are talking about the stages of disloyalty. The stages of disloyalty. The stages of disloyalty. Now, it's important because we also want to understand how a person becomes disloyal. No, I shouldn't say how a person. We want to say how you can become disloyal. Because, you see, disloyalty is a process. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. And so we want to be able to identify disloyalty in a person or in the, in the system and then also identify when we are becoming disloyal. How many of you think it's a good idea? Yeah. It's not just about others, it's also about us so that we can learn how to detect it. Hallelujah. You are quiet today. You don't like the subject I'm preaching. Well, 
I'll tell you one more story. I was, I saw about this book. Now, I'm emphasizing on this book because, I mean, you may have heard it before, but I've also seen practically how almost every story in this book is true and how people tend to be uh, moved from loyalty, loyal people to completely disloyal people. Okay, how the church can be destroyed by disloyalty. Yeah. And so the churches that take this thing seriously and teach about it and emphasize it and, 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 and drum on it, you see that that spirit of disloyalty is gradually pushed out. Now, in, in, uh, <laughs> he's not ready for Sunday school. So, I was saying that, so, aha, this is what I was going to share with you. I was in Korea last year, and I saw, um, you know, in Dr. Yonggi Cho's church in Korea, he has, he has one of, the, I mean, Dr. Yonggi Cho has one of the biggest churches in the world. Every Sunday, about 500,000 people come to church. 500,000. So, like, take the number here and multiply it by the most logical number you can think of. 500,000 people in church on a Sunday. And he believes in this subject of loyalty. And he said that this is one of the best things that has helped his church grow from 50 people to 500,000 people every Sunday. So much so that in their church, they have printed this book in Korean and they give it out for free. Yeah, I even have a copy of it in Korean in my house. <laughs> I was surprised. So I took it. I said, oh, it's free. Take it. They believe it so much that they want everybody to get a copy of the book and just read it because they believe that if you read it, you change. Yeah, the biggest church in the world. Not in English, in Korean. And I was there, practically, I see the people coming. As they are entering the church, somebody's just giving it to them like that, free. How many do you want? Five, take. Five, ten, take it. Take it. Just do whatever. And it's not like they, they are, they are, the person who wrote it is being paid for it. No, 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 no. It's free. So, ladies and gentlemen, I also want to encourage you to take this book to heart because it will benefit you and benefit your life. It's not just a preaching thing. It's not like I just want to grow the church or I just want to drive out um, disloyalty. No, no, no. It's actually a blessing for your life. Hallelujah. So what is the first step or the first sign of disloyalty? Remember that I said that disloyalty is a process and you need to be able to identify the process. Otherwise, before you realize you are at the end and there's nothing that can be done. Disloyalty is so subtle that most people do not recognize it. They don't recognize it in other people and they don't recognize it in themselves as well. Okay, so 
The first stage that I want to talk about is called the independent stage. Everyone say independent stage. Oh, I didn't hear you. Independent stage. What does it mean to be independent? Now, when a person is independent, I'm going to be reading portions of this book too. When a person is, is independent, it means that the person does what they like. So they are part of an organization, but they are not part of what the organization is doing. Okay? So you have, um, maybe in the church, everybody is fasting on Friday, but we, somebody will choose or will decide that I fasted on Wednesday, so I'm not fasting on Friday. You see, it's still fasting. It's still fasting, but I think somebody just saw certain disloyal elements in the person. <laughs> yeah. But it's still fasting. You are still in the church. You are still a part of the group. But you have chosen that I will not do what, the other, what everybody else is supposed to do. That's independence. That's what independence. So when the person begins to feel that the rules of the organization or the congregation no longer applies to them, that is also independence. You are slowly becoming detached from the group, detached from the church, detached from the vision of the church, detached from what we are trying to do. When you take a country like the United States of America and maybe a country like uh, Japan, when Japan declares a public holiday, how many of you know the public holidays in Japan? Anybody? Has anybody here been to Japan before? Nobody been to Japan? Okay. Oh, let's say, let's say um, Zimbabwe. Okay. How many holidays do you have in Zimbabwe? <laughs> Quite a number. Okay. So when your president, the president of Zimbabwe says that this day is a holiday, do the people in America, in America take notice? Is this something that they are aware of? No. Why? Why do you think? Because they are not a part of this country. They are an independent country. So what happens in Zimbabwe has, has absolutely no bearing on the people in America and vice versa. So when a person is becoming disloyal, or when you think about yourself, as I'm thinking about myself, when a person is becoming disloyal, what is happening in the group has no bearing and has nothing to do with him or her. She just tells herself that, you know what, let them do it. Let them do it. What, what did they say they, they are doing? Let them do it. Yeah. The church, which the church, I am a member of the church, but let them do it. I'm, I fast on, on, on Tuesdays because I was born on Tuesday. <laughs> they want to fast on Fridays, let them fast on Fridays. I was born on Tuesday. My mother said that you should fast every day that you were born, so I'm fasting on Tuesday. That's called what? 
independence. Now, look at this. Let's look at this story in the Bible. Turn to 2 Samuel chapter 3. 2 Samuel chapter 3. And let's start from uh, verse... Let's read from verse 1. Why not? We're in church. Now, there was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David, but David waxed stronger and stronger, and the house of Saul waxed weaker and weaker. Verse 3. Verse 2, and unto David were sons born in Hebron, and his firstborn was Amnon of Ahinoam, the Jezreelites, and his second Chiliab of Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite, and the third Absalom, the son of Maka, the daughter of Talmai, king of Jeshu, and the fourth Adonijah, the son of Haggith, and the fifth uh, Shephetiah, the son of Abital, and the sixth he had a lot of children, eh? And the sixth Ithrim by Igla, David's wife, these were born to David in Hebron. Okay. And it came to pass, while there was war between the house of Saul and the house of David, that Abner made himself strong for the house of Saul. And Saul had a concubine whose name was Rispa, the daughter of, uh, is it Allah? Ayah? Ayah and Ishbosheth said to Abner, wherefore hast thou gone in unto my father's concubine? Verse 10. Verse, okay, verse 9. There was Abner, then was Abner very wroth for the words of Ishboth and said, am I a dog's head which against Judah, I can't see from here, which against Judah do show kindness this day unto the house of Saul thy father, to his brethren and to his friends, and have not delivered thee unto the hand of David, that thou chargest me today with a fault concerning this woman. Nine. So do God to Abner, and more also, except as the Lord hath sworn to David, even so I do to him. Ten. To translate the kingdom from the house of Saul, and to set up the throne of David over Israel, and over Judah, from Dan even to Beersheba. And he, co he could not answer Abner a word again, because he feared him. Are you, pay, are you with me? Are you following? Okay. Or, or you're bored? It's okay. 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 And Abner sent messages uh, to David on his behalf, saying, Who is the land? Saying also, Make thy league with me, and behold, my hand shall be with thee, to bring about all Israel unto thee. Now, I want to jump because of time. So let's go to verse, this 13, go to verse 17. So you can see what's happening. Um, okay, let's read it. And Abner had communicated with the elders of Israel, saying, ye sought for David in times past to be king over you. Now then, do it for the Lord. For the Lord had spoken of David, saying, by the hand of my servant David, I will save my people Israel out of the hand of the Philistines and out of the hand of all their enemies. Verse 20. So Abner came to David to Hebron and 20 men with him. And David made Abner and the men that were with him a feast. So what's happening here is that there was a, 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 a war going on between the house of Saul and the house of David. So David was ruling a part of Israel and Saul was ruling, ruling the other part. Now Abner was the general of the commander general of Saul's army. 
Okay. And so he got to a point, he decided to make peace with David so that the two countries can be, the two uh, divisions or regions can be one and there'll be no longer war. Okay, so he came. So when he came to speak to David, David, the Bible said, David made a feast, a party for him and his 20 men. And Abner said unto David, I will arise and go. I will gather all Israel unto my Lord the king, that they may make a league, an agreement with thee, and that thou mayest reign over all that thine heart desireth. And David sent Abner away, and he went in peace. So they've signed a peace treaty. They've agreed that now David is going to be the ruler of the whole nation of Israel. And mind you that Abner is the general of the army of Saul. And David also had a, uh, a commander or an army general called Joab. So Joab was fighting or had been fighting against who? Abner. So we have commander here, commander there, and they are the ones leading the armies, and they are always at war. So now, David says, let there be peace. No more war. And behold, the servants of David and Joab came pursuing a troop. Do you follow? So verse 21, after they signed, back one verse, please. After they signed the peace treaty, they asked, um, Abner decided to leave, because what he came for, he had finished. So he left. And the Bible says that he went in peace. Then the next thing that happens is that the, the servants of David and Joab came from pursuing a troop and brought in a great spoil with them. In other words, they had also gone to conquer another part of town. It's like, you know, war, they fight it in zones. So you go conquer, and then you bring them conquer. You bring the servants, slaves, all of that. So they had come back from a, a conquest, and it says that they brought with them a great spoil. A great spoil means that they, they, when they fight the war, whatever they were able to conquer and get, they bring it back home. But Abner was not with David in Hebron, for he had sent him away and he was gone in peace. So they didn't come and meet the peace treaty. They were not aware of what had happened, that David had signed a peace treaty. Verse 24 or 23, when Joab and all the hosts that were with him were come, they were told, they took, sorry, they told Joab, saying, Abner the son of Ner came to the king and he had sent him away and he is gone in peace. Reported information. Next verse. Then Joab came to the king and said, what has thou done? What, what is this thing that you are doing? This man that we have been fighting. So many of our brothers and sisters have died because of this man. This wicked, Saul's wicked army general who has been fighting us for years. What have you done with him? Why didn't you kill him? The man we are looking for, he has now come. Instead of killing him, you have made a feast for him. This is Abner talking to David, his, his king. And Ab, um, behold, Abner came unto thee. Why is it that thou hast sent him away? 
And is he quite gone? Like, is he far away? Like, what time did he leave? What time did he leave? Where is he? Then thou knowest Abner the son of Ner, that he came to deceive thee and to, and to know thy going out and thy coming in and to know all that thou doest. Next verse. And when Joab was come out from David, so he went into the king's palace, talked to him, and then he came out. He said that he sent messengers after Abner, which brought him again from the well of Sarah, but David knew it not. So he sent his own people to go and tell Abner, oh, come back, come back. The king wants to speak to you. That's why he was asking in the previous verse that, how far is he? What time did he leave? Are you with me? It's like a movie, you see. It's like, it's like a movie. And when Abner was returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside in the gates to speak with him quietly. Another verse says privately, to have a private conversation with him. Okay? And he smote him there under the fifth rib that he died for the blood of Asahel, his brother. So Joab, in a previous war or in a previous battle, he had lost his brother to this same Abner, this commander of Saul's army. And he was very angry that his brother had died. So he decided that this man, he will not let him go. So although that the king had said that there is going to be peace, he said, no, no, no. Where is the man? Bring the man, deceive the man to come back saying that the king knew or the king wanted to see him. And then he took him aside and killed him and made sure that he killed him at a place or he, he, he hit him at a place where he was not likely to, to survive. So you can see clearly that this is someone who is acting or behaving independently. The king says, let there be peace. And then the army general says that, let there be war. Because by killing the army general of another kingdom, what you have done is that you have plunged the whole, all two nations into war. Yeah, he thought that he was just avenging his brother's death. But he was actually plunging two countries into full-scale war. Because you will not easily forgive somebody who has come in peace? The person came in peace to sign a peace treaty, and then you kill the person. He didn't come to fight. He came in peace, and you kill the person. That's war. So an independent person is somebody who does what exactly the opposite of what he is supposed to do. When the pastor says, let's do this, the person says, I'll do that. Yeah. When the whole church is going left, then this person says, I am going right. Joab. That was Joab's story. Are you in church today or you are, you are gone? Yeah. We are here. Okay. So you must pray that you don't have this type of independent spirit. You know, most of the time, people who are independent are not independent in just one thing. They are independent in multiple things. And the independence continues. It continues. So look at this guy again. Look at where in what? Verse 27. Okay. Let's go to verse um, 
verse chapter 18. Look at chapter 18. Yeah, chapter 18. You see our dear Joab acting in an independent way again. So, we have um, David, it says, and David numbered the people that were with him and set captains of thousands and captains of hundreds over them. And David sent forth a third part of the people under the hand of Joab and a third part under the hand of Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, Joab's brother, and a third part under the hand of Ittai, the, uh, the Sittite. And the king said unto the people, I will surely go forth with you myself also. Verse 3. But the people answered, Thou shalt not go, for if we flee away, they would, they would, they would what? They would not care for us, neither if half of us die will they care for us. But now that thou art worth 10,000 of us, therefore now it is better that thou succor us out of the city. And the king said unto them, David said unto them, What seemeth you best I will do? And the king stood by the gate side, and all the people came out by the hundreds and by the thousands. And um, verse 5. And the king commanded Joab and Abishai and Ittai, saying, Deal gently for my sake with the young man, even with Absalom. Now, Absalom was David's own son. Okay? David's son. But now, what was going on was that they, they, there was a coup d'etat in the kingdom. The son, Absalom, had risen up against his father, David, and had taken a part of the kingdom. So David then divided the, the kingdom into three, or his army into three, and he gave jo Joab, um, Abishai, and Ittai. He gave the three of them, he made three of them commanders, and then said that they should go and fight against um, Absalom, his son, who had, who had plotted a coup d'etat. You know, interesting, you, you, the, David was in a very difficult situation where his own son had now risen up against him. It's a, it's a unique thing. It's not something that you would... I, I've seen it before. I've seen churches where the son of the pastor has risen up and has said that the pastor, my father, is too old. He doesn't know his, the direction of the church. He's deceiving the people. So let's push him aside and he will become the pastor. Yeah, right here in this country. Several churches, actually. Not just one. There was one church... I believe they were in California. They put up a huge, beautiful building. I mean, a glass church. Glass all around. The building is glass. It was the most beautiful church around in that state, actually. Huge, 5,000 plus seats. And when the building and everything was over, the son of the pastor said that, no, he should be the pastor of the church. The father is too old now. And so they rose up and plotted a coup and pushed the father out. And now he became the pastor of the church. Yeah. Needless to say, in a few years, the church collapsed. But this is what is happening here, that Absalom has now risen up against his father, and he's fighting against his father because he wants to become the king. We are talking about loyalty and disloyalty. We are talking about being independent. So, 
when he commanded his three captains to go and fight and bring back the kingdom, he added another instruction. A quiet instruction. And he told, you see, sometimes the instructions, you don't give instructions to the whole group. You pull a few people aside and give certain instructions. Yeah. And that's what David did here. He, he said he had thousands and thousands of soldiers, but he called the commanders and said that, the leaders, and said that, look, deal gently for my sake because of me. Think about me and think about what I'm going through that my son is fighting against me and I have to fight against my son. It is a difficult situation. It's not something that you have even experienced before. And sometimes that's what happens to leaders. There are things that they are going through that it, it, it's difficult. They may not even be able to explain everything. And yet they need you to be loyal even when you don't understand everything that is going on. So he said, with the young man, deal gently with him, even with Absalom. And all the people heard when the king gave all the captains charge concerning Absalom. Yeah. So, Absalom, so basically what was happening, after he called them and told them, then the people went and communicated and said, look, we are going to fight Absalom, but when we get, find Absalom, let's, let's deal gently with him. So the people went out into the field against Israel, and the battle was in the wood of Israel, where the people of Israel were slain before the servants of David, and there was therefore 20,000 men. For the battle was there scattered over the face of all the country, and the wood devoured more people than the day that the sword devoured. Mm -hmm. Next verse. And Absalom met the servants of David, and Absalom rode upon a mule, and the mule went under the thick boughs of a great oak, and his head caught the hold of the oak, of the oak, and he was taken up between the heaven and the head and the earth, and the mule that was under him went away. So he was riding, he was riding a horse. Absalom was riding a horse. The cool plotter was riding a horse. And he got to a point where it says that he went into a thicket of, of uh, oak trees. And because if you read, you see that oh, it says Absalom had a lot of hair, long hair. He was a very handsome man with long hair. I don't know who we can liken him to. Most of the men here, I don't know about their hair. But so as he was riding, as he was riding, he didn't realize what was going on. But he rode straight into a thicket and then the thing caught his hair and pulled him up. And the mule, the horse that he was riding on, just sped away, and he was left hanging by the hair. And a certain man saw it and told Joab. You remember Joab? How many of you remember Joab? Joab. Okay, Joab. So Joab again. And said, behold, I saw Absalom hanged in an oak. And Joab said unto the man that, was, that told him, And behold, thou sawest him, and why didst thou not smite him there to the ground? As I would have given thee ten shekels of silver and a girdle. So he asked the man. Meanwhile, you see, the, 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 the story was that, the Bible says that all the people had the instructions that David gave Joab. That deal gently or in other words, don't kill my son. Don't kill my son. 
Absalom. Even though he's a cool plotter and he has risen up against him, don't kill him. It's Joab asking the guy that, why? Why didn't you just kill him? If you had killed him, instead of running to tell me that he has been caught in the thicket of an oak, whatever, I would have given you money. And the man said unto, um, unto Joab, Thou, though I should receive a thousand shekels of silver in my hand, yet would I not put forth my hand against the king's son. For in a hearing, the king charged thee and Abishai and Ittai, saying, Beware that none touch the young man Absalom. So there was a clear instruction. So the young man was telling him that. I, I, and you see, when people are being independent and disloyal, there are always going to be people around who know what should be done. Do you understand what I'm saying? You must always tell yourself that you will be this guy. Unfortunately, his name is not mentioned. But you, you, you tell yourself that you will be the guy who chooses to obey the instructions and not be the guy like Joab who chooses to, 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 to receive the instructions, hear the instructions, but do the opposites. Be independent. I, I, I'm teaching. I'm teaching. I hope you are awake. Go back, please. Yeah, oh, sorry, next verse, 13. Otherwise, I should have wrought falsehood against my own life, for there is no matter hid from the king, and thou thyself wouldest have set thyself against me. You, if I had done this thing you are telling me to do, you would have killed me yourself. Yeah, because you see, that is the spirit of independence. So, oh, let's do it, let's do it. Hey, don't mind him, don't mind him. Let's do it. Then when you go and do it, and you are found out, he will now say that, I never said this. You are the one who did it. If I wanted you to do it, why, why didn't I do it myself? And the guy was smart. He was wise. He said, I will not do it because if I do it, you will turn against me. Look at it. Next verse. Next verse. Then said Joab, may, I may not tarry thus with thee. And he took three darts in his hand and thrust them through the heart of Absalom while he was yet alive in the midst of the oak. So he went back and killed Absalom. The very thing that they said that don't do, he went and he did that. And not just, he didn't just do that. He even tried to get people to also do the very thing that he was not supposed to do. Mind you that Joab was not just an ordinary person. He was a, a, an army general. So one of the things that you also have to notice is that when you are in the church and you are doing something in the church or you have any type of role and whatever, almost everybody here has something to do in the church. So you must also see that you are, you, 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 you are a potential Joab. Yeah, you, you, you can easily become a Joab by doing exactly what you are not supposed to do and choosing the opposite of what you are being asked to do. Independent spirit. And ten young men that bear Joab's armor compassed about and smote Absalom and slew him. You see, there were about 11 people. Only one person said that I will not do it. The other ten decided that after Absalom had been killed or he, uh, Joab pierced the, his, his heart with the dart, 
they now decided that we are going to finish him. Yeah. Meanwhile, the instruction was that do not touch Absalom. Do not touch him. Do not touch him. So, the point here is that when people start to become independent, when you, become, you start to become independent, you see that you are independent in so many things. You try to, to cut yourself from many things. You, obey, you disobey many instructions. Not just one. This is Pastor Joab. He's doing it the second time. Hallelujah. Turn your Bibles to Second Samuel chapter 12. Look at chapter 12. So we've seen two examples of Joab practicing this independent spirit. Chapter 12, Second Samuel chapter 12. And let's start from verse 25. And the Lord sent Nathan unto David. The, prof, the prophet, Nathan the prophet. And he called his name Jedediah because of the Lord. Okay? And Joab fought against Rabbah of the children of Ammon and took the royal city. He was a strong guy. Joab was one of the... I mean, if you read the Bible carefully... You, 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 you would learn about the origins of Joab, where Joab came from. The Bible talks about the place called the Cave of Adullam. When you read about the Cave of Adullam, it was a place when David was, when Saul was chasing David or was trying to kill David, David ran away to a certain cave alone. That cave was called the Cave of Adullam. Okay, and while he was there, the Bible says that all kinds of rejects and riffraffs and disappointed people and people who owed money and they couldn't pay and people who were being chased out of the city and all of that, all those people came and joined David in that cave. Remember, David was pretending like he was mad. And he said, look, the guy is mad, let him go. So he ran away and went into the cave. So all kinds of riffraffs, disappointed, disjointed, crazy people came into that pit. And, and that was where he started his army. So one of the people who joined him in that pit was Joab. Yeah. He was a crazy guy. So when he became army general, he was a no-nonsense guy. I mean, like he, was, he was really, he was a very offended, angry man. And he tried to kill and destroy things. And verse 26, let me show you this before we go on. And Joab fought against Rabbah of the children of Ammon and took the royal city. Then, look at what he says in verse 27. And Joab sent messengers, messengers to David and said, I have, I, he said, I have fought against Rabbah and I have taken the city of waters. Now, therefore, gather the rest of the people together and encamp against the city and take it, lest I take the city and it be called after my name. Yeah. So his, his king has sent him to go and fight against Rabbah. Now, 
you go and you are successful in the fight. You don't know why you are successful in the fight. Mind you that a certain prophet called Nathan came and told David that the Lord says that you should go and fight and you'll be victorious. He was not fighting. He received a certain prophetic word that encouraged him to go and fight. And then he sent you to go and fight. And then when you go and fight and you are successful, because God has been on your side and has been on the side of the king who instructed you to go and fight, now you are saying that if you do not come and, 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 and help me finish off the thing, I will become the, uh, uh, I, I will take the victory. That's what he said to his skin. And so, so sometimes you are in the church and you are asked to go and do something. You, you go as though you, you are the one in your power and in your might. Yeah. But somebody has sent you. As I am here as a pastor, somebody has sent me as a pastor. Somebody started a church and, and asked me, come and pastor the church. Yeah, so if I'm a pastor of the church, I cannot, I cannot, I cannot behave as though I am, I am the king of kings and the lord of lords. I must always remember who sent me. In the same way, if you are also in the church, you must also remember that you have also been sent, or you have also been, you are also being directed, also being led. So you cannot be an independent person or you should not be an independent person. It is not a good spirit. Mind you, this is only step one. Or the only, this is only stage one of, of, of disloyalty. And there are eight. Yeah. He said... And take it lest I take the city and it be called after my name. He threatened to, he threatened to change the name of, of, of the city. He changed the name of the church. It's like I've been asked to come and pastor the church and then I change the name of the church. And I call it my church. Give it a new name. That is independence. And we see it in the church all the time. People don't want to be part of the church. They don't want to, they want to do their own thing. Yeah. But you see, as I'm speaking to you right now, that spirit of disloyalty is being driven out of the church. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's going out like that. And you are becoming more loyal and more spiritual. That's, that's how the church is supposed to be. The church is supposed to be a, a connected, it says, one body. One body. Anything that tries to come in to, 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 to destabilize and destroy the church, we push it out. Yeah. Last week, was it last week we were talking about the fifth column? When was it? Last week, right? Yeah, to drive out the fifth column, which is people who are inside the church and are destroying the church from within. We don't, entertain, we don't entertain them at all. We push them out. So, ladies and gentlemen, I, I want you to see that when people, when, when the spirit of disloyalty is coming, it always starts with independence. 
And when people start to be independent, you see that their independence is in stages. They, it, and it, 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 multiple, it happens multiple times. So this is Reverend Joab. You see, this is the third instance of him exhibiting independent traits. Third. One, two, three. And this is a great person in the army of, 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 um, of David. Not an ordinary person. Hallelujah. Are you with me? I, you understand the, the, the preaching? Okay. Amen. I don't know whether I should start the next one. Okay, let's do this. Second stage of disloyal. So first stage, what is the first stage? Okay. And the second stage is offense. 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 Matthew chapter 24 verse 10. Matthew chapter 24 verse 10. And then shall, Matthew 24 verse 10. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Many shall be what? Offended and betray one another and shall hate one another. So you see that hatred and uh, disloyalty, betrayal, is usually, almost all the time, directly linked to offense. When people are offended, they begin to exhibit traits of betrayal. Yeah. I'm telling you that this thing, does, it applies to more than the church. Even in your house, in your business, in your friendships and all of that, you see, you have to be careful about offen offenses. When someone is offended, you try and resolve the offense because if the offense pesters, it, it creates an environment for betrayal. And somebody that you are close to and you are doing everything with, because of an offense, before you realize, the, the, the thing has changed. The relationship has changed. And the Bible says that many shall be offended and shall betray one another. Disloyalty and betrayal, it comes through offenses. Yeah. And unfortunately, many people can't talk about offenses. When they are offended, they won't say anything. They'll be quiet. Just silent. But they're offended. So one of the ways that you can tell that somebody is offended is by their silence. <laughs> I said we are driving the devil out of the church. Yeah. Yeah, one of the ways that you can tell that someone is offended because the person won't come and talk to you about it. So you can tell by the person's silence. Silence. I said what? Silence. <sighs> Leviticus chapter 20, verse 17. Leviticus chapter 20. Anyone who is offended, 
You see, it's not wrong to be offended, but then when you are offended, you become uh, prey for the devil to, to, to feed these types of separatist ideas into your mind. So you can be a normal, flowing person, spiritual person. Mind you that Joab was an army commander. He had to be close to the king. He had, to be, he, he had some spirituality with him. But he was just this type of uh, person. Okay. So we see here another story of a man called Absalom. You see, I, I don't want us to read all of it because it's quite, um, it's quite long. But anyway, you remember we're talking about the story of Absalom rising up against his father? Do you remember that in a few, a few verses ago before he was killed? Now, the question is, why did he do that? What caused him to do that? Because you are the king's son. You are living in the palace. Why would you rise up against your father? And when we study the Bible and we study a little bit about Absalom, one of the things you realize is that, you know, not too long before this happened, he had, um, his brother had actually raped his sister. You understand? And so he was greatly offended by that thing. It really bothered him. That, you see, but then his father was also in a tight spot. Because if you were a father and your son rapes your sister, his sister, what do you do? You kill the son. Or if the daughter raped the son, what do you do? It's true, or that one cannot happen. Huh? It can't happen. <laughs> what should the father do? You see, so this verse says that, so this is the law of Moses. The law of Moses says that, and if a man shall take his sister, his father's daughter, or his mother's daughter, and see her nakedness, and she see his nakedness, it is a wicked thing, and they shall be cut off in the sight of the people. Yeah. So there was a law which said that when this thing happens, he must be cut off. So Absalom was very, very angry that this thing happened, and we know that this is what should happen to the guy. And yet King David decided that he would not do it. He would just leave him because it is his son. You see, every great man of God also has weaknesses. Not just every man of God. Every man, including you and me, we all have certain weaknesses. But we are doing the work of God even in the midst of our weaknesses. So we are not perfect people. So when we think about King David, we think about all the great things. Oh, he was a mighty warrior. He did this. He, he was able to defeat Saul. He was able to do this. He was able to do that. He was all kinds of things. But he also had weaknesses. You see, he said, you see, he was a great leader. Look, when he had to pull the trigger, he couldn't pull the trigger. His, his weakness in applying the law is right there for all to see. Yeah. He had difficulties with... He, when, when, his, when a cool plotter fought against him, instead of finishing off Absalom, he was now giving instructions that don't kill him. And the people were probably asking that, if somebody else had done this and it wasn't your son, what would you have done? have killed him long ago. 
But because it's son, because it's your son, you are being partial. That was the accusation. And here again, you see his, his, his family, there were serious issues in his family, serious family problems. Yet he was a spiritual guy. God called him and said, Look, this, 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 David, is that David, my, what was the, what was the scripture that said? Uh, after my own heart, anointed, said, with, I, I exalt you with the horn, with the horn, I have lifted up your head and I have anointed you. Like a very special, holy guy, anointed guy. And yet his family, he couldn't even, it was difficult for him to manage the dynamic in his family. People will be asking, but you every time you are talking about God, this, 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 look at your children. You can't handle your children. Look at what this guy is going to do with this one. And now he has done it. Finish the job. You will not do it. You are still standing there. What kind of weak man are you? That's it. So despite his greatness, despite his... Um, his strength and all his conquests and all the things, he still had certain weaknesses that he was dealing with. Certain problems, family problems, marital problems, all kinds of things that he was also dealing with. But he was still the king. And he was still God's anointed servant. Yeah. That is why one of the reasons, you see, this is one of the reasons why you should try not to criticize pastors a lot. At all. Not even a lot. At all. Try because you see, you don't really know what they are doing and what they are trying to manage. You know, yes, two days ago, somebody was trying to have an argument with me over some prophet somewhere who is in it. And I said, I, I mean, I, I, I really gave it to the person. You know, because first of all, me, I really, really like prophets. So when you, if you start to talk about prophets, I, I get very upset. Yeah. Yeah. I said that you, you have not even been able to lead Five, like you, your wife, and your children, try and just lead the, your house before you start criticizing someone who is leading 5,000 people. Yeah, how? You, have you been able to manage your, your, your wife? Even your wife doesn't respect you. <laughs> yeah, 5,000 people are there following one man, and you are criticizing him. You can't even get your wife to respect you. Or your children to do what you tell them to do. How do you how do you go from that? How do you go from someone who is is I mean you can't manage your house to criticizing someone who is managing some in different countries? Don't even let me start. Yeah. Yeah. So. Absalom was very offended, and that was why he rose up against his father and plotted the coup and tried to bring down his father because of offense. So, ladies and gentlemen, I think we'll end with this point, but I want you to understand that offenses that are allowed to fester and to sit in your mind and in your spirit, they only lead to one thing and one place, which is distraction. It will destroy you because it will lead you into becoming a very disloyal person. Yeah. So deal with offenses. If you can't talk to the person about it, just 
talk to yourself about it and just decide that I'm going to let it go. Yeah, don't worry about the person. Because sometimes it can be an awkward conversation to have. But just leave it. Just say, okay, now I'm free. I'm, I'm, I'm done. Hallelujah. Well, next week, God willing, we'll continue on the subject. Are you enjoying the subject of loyalty and so Or it's not good? It's, not, you know, it's too, too much Old Testament scriptures. <laughs> if you don't come to church next week, it means that you are, you are not happy with the preaching. So I'm watching you. Stand to your feet. Let us pray. Great. A lot of people are not in church today. Why? Why? Why is that the case? So many people. We're going to postpone our thing to next week. Okay. Yeah. Close your eyes and let us pray. I want you to just pray and ask God that any spirit of disloyalty, any independent spirit and any offenses in your life and in your mind and in your heart, pray and ask God to take it away from you. Pray fervently from the bottom of your heart. We now see clearly what can happen to people who are offended. And we don't want that to happen in our lives. So I want you to pray and ask God. Ask God to help you. Not to be offended. Not to be an independent person or have an independent spirit. You see, being independent is not a bad thing. The, the, the idea of independence is not a bad thing. Like being able to do things on your own is not a bad thing. But when you are doing things contrary to instruction and contrary to, to a laid down procedure and a laid down process, that's a problem. So pray and ask God for grace to be compliant. Yeah, to be able to do what you have to do and not be a critic all the time. Because sometimes, even at work, you can be a critic. You, 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 you always try to do what you are not supposed to do. You always find reason why your idea or your thoughts are better than what the, the, the boss is telling you to do. So pray for that grace, that that spirit will not be found in you. That you are always opposing thoughts and opposing ideas. Pray. Oh, I don't hear you praying. Lift up your voice and pray. Mando shinelos. Pray, pray, pray. Two more minutes. We are praying for just two minutes. Pray and cast the spirit of disloyalty out of your life. Let it be driven far from you. Tell God that you don't want to be any, I mean, you don't want the word disloyalty to be associated with you in any way. Shape or form. Madosh. Father, help us. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. And all of us Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for speaking to us, Lord. Thank you for touching our hearts. Thank you for directing your word to the source, to the source of our very hearts. The word tells us that all the issues of life come from the heart. 
to thank you for applying the word to our hearts. I pray for everyone here, Lord, that you would help us be delivered from the spirit of independence and the spirit of offense which drives us and pushes us to do things contrary to the laid down process and the instructions that you have given us. Many times, Lord, we go contrary to your instructions and contrary to what you have told us to do. And we find ourselves in the pit and in distraction. So, Father, we are asking for forgiveness Lord, every single one of us. And we are praying and asking that, Lord, you will help us. Deliver us from disobedience. Deliver us from disloyalty. Deliver us from offense. In the name of Jesus, we thank you. Bless us and help us, Lord. Lift us up and cause us to be overcomers of these evil spirits. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, let's take our communion. Do you have it quickly? pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. Bless, O oh God, this meal, the body of Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ. May we receive new life, new strength, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Do you all have your bread? Lift it up. Lift it up. Say the body of Jesus Christ. Say it one more time. The body of Jesus Christ. Say the third time. The body of Jesus Christ. And eat. Lift up the cup. This is the blood of Jesus. Say the blood of Jesus. Say it one more time, the blood of Jesus. Say because of this blood, all my sins are washed away. 
every spirit of disloyalty is washed away every spirit of independence is washed away every spirit of offense is washed away in the mighty name of Jesus drink it let me pray with you Father we thank you for the power that's released into our lives because of your body and your blood thank you Lord that you sent your son to die for us and to redeem us unto yourself Father today we rededicate our lives to you we ask that Lord you would become the savior and the king of our lives Father everyone here Lord we lift up our hands and we surrender to you and we ask Lord that from today we will serve you all the days of our lives may the power of God come upon us and grant us the grace that we need to be good servants faithful servants in the mighty name of Jesus we give you praise Lord for this miracle that you are working in our lives we thank you for our church Lord we thank you for the blessing of a church that we can belong to thank you for calling us from our individual families Lord from our associations and from all over the world and all over the place Lord you have brought us you have selected us you have chosen us we are grateful that we can come close to you so father we ask oh God that you will help us not to take this for granted that you have you have personally chosen and selected us to be close to you and to be your children I pray Lord Jesus I pray Lord Jesus I pray Lord Jesus that you will grant us oh God your grace your grace your grace to complete the work that you have given us may we not grow weary Lord may we not be tired but may we fight on may we press on may we overcome the difficulties and the challenges in our lives may we overcome the weaknesses and the pain and the difficulties and continue to serve you father may we continue to sacrifice and be of use to you in Jesus name pray with thanksgiving amen thank you for listening to this message we pray that your life has been transformed by the power of the word of god if you would like us to pray with you or would like to worship with us please contact us at the codes family church university city philadelphia or call 267-809-5530 thank you and god richly bless you I'm loving